Ladies and gentlemen, start your engines. I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barden. And this is Mad uh, about Max. You sound insane. You realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. What is the movie of the week this week, Brian? This week's movie of the week is Mad Max Fury Road. I don't really have an Australian accent, so I didn't feel like I could do that there. Mine always just sounds like the Flight of the Concord, too. I am aware are from <laughs> right. New Zealand. Yeah. But every time I try to do one, I just sound like Murray. I'm like, and I am from <laughs> Australia, yeah? <laughs> right? So I up here. <laughs> yeah. Jermaine, present. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, present. there it is. Brit. Brit. Jermaine. Brit, present. Jermaine, present. <laughs> Mary, present. We have some listeners from down under. We do. Shout out. Shout Big out to shout. those guys. Mark Crimmins or something like that, I think. Yeah. He's one of them. And some of you may be asking, how do you know that, Richard? Well, <laughs> many of you have decided to join us on social media by finding us on Facebook at Mad About Movies Podcast or finding us on the Twitter at MAM underscore podcast. And we've gotten a ton of, uh, of people reach out to us and, and like us and follow us and tweet at us and uh it's been a good week so let's keep building that if you haven't liked or followed us yet please do so so uh it's been a good few days i realize first of all that we announced our our social media accounts on a on an episode about a hbo documentary so not the best time to probably announce those when <laughs> a lot of people don't have hbo probably wouldn't be interested in a nirvana documentary conversation surrounding an hbo documentary so fully aware of that but a lot of people probably listening to this episode this week Mad Max Fury Road, medium-sized debut for a big, big movie this past weekend. There's no really movie news I want to talk about this week, guys, that's, that's pressing, that needs to be discussed right this minute. Nothing breaking other than David Letterman's departure, which is this coming week. So we need to discuss David Letterman next week uh, during the Tomorrowland episode. But I want to talk about this past weekend in movie land, and this will lead into our Mad Max conversation. And there's been a lot of discussion about the competition this past weekend, of course, Mad Max competed mainly with Pitch Perfect 2 and lost out to Pitch Perfect 2 this last weekend. Pitch Perfect 2 made a stunning $70 million, and yeah. I believe Mad Max clocked in at about $40 million. I haven't looked at the final number on Mad Max I'll yet. I'll look it but up while you talk. I, I can imagine it having a better Saturday and Sunday than it did Friday. Because words spread like wildfire with this movie. And I speak for myself here that uh, my screening was absolutely packed to the brim. I didn't even get to sit with the person I went with because there were no two seats together. I love, love walking into a screening like that. And I was pretty early, too. I wasn't, didn't show up after the movie had started or anything like that. So a lot of hype, yeah. uh, a lot of hype led into the, uh, I guess, six, small amount of success that, that Fury Road had this past weekend. It'll have some legs. I think it'll have a lot of legs, and and this will be an interesting one to watch as the summer goes on. I wouldn't be surprised if this has a pretty decent second weekend. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised also if Pitch Perfect 2 falls off significantly, more than a 50% drop-off as opposed to a 30% drop-off, which is the norm or should be expected on week two. So it's uh, it's going to be competing with Tomorrowland this weekend, which is a rated PG. I was surprised to learn that. Uh, but it is a Disney affair, and that's kind of to be expected, I guess. Try to get the uh, get as many people 
on board for those as they possibly can. Some of the conversation regarding the competition of Mad Max this past weekend stems around the fact that this is a rated R film, and of course Pitch Perfect 2, a a light PG-13. Right. So I've heard that argument, but my rebuttal to that argument is, well, you're basically eliminating 13 to 16-year-olds. When you do rated R, I mean, when you're when you're being honest, uh, sure, you know that's not a big movie market to begin with, and so I don't feel like you're eliminating that much of the crowd. You know, you still have 17 to what, whatever, 77 that you're you're aiming at if you're with a rated R film. I don't think that had much to do with the lack of success for Mad Max. What I think it has more to do with is that. People haven't attached themselves to Mad Max right. like they have, say, Alien or RoboCop or you know all these other movies that have, have gotten reboots in the past few years. It's just not something that – I mean, it, it's a great cult classic. Yeah. I realize that. And they're good movies. The original trilogy is, is good. But it just hasn't had the, I guess, staying power or cult right. following that – And it's so synonymous with Gibson. I think – Yeah. Like yeah. everyone always thinks of those as Mel Gibson movies and, you know – He's not doing great. And so, you know. Obviously, you didn't see the beaver, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go in the hot tub. <laughs> Burn this podcast down. I will end you. You guys make me want to smoke. <laughs> make me want to smoke. Those are the four uh, appropriate for our audience yeah, uh, yeah. quotes from that. No, it's uh, so I think it's a weird, weird one to reboot in terms of planning to make a lot of. I wouldn't have sunk a lot of money to this as a studio. Sure. Yeah, I think it's a good idea for a remake. Like it's or a reboot, complete dog. But I don't know what both of you guys are saying is is totally true because it, it's not that the original Mad Max doesn't have a cult following of some sort. It's that I don't know that anyone who uh, is younger than me or younger than you guys maybe has even seen those movies, let alone cares about them. Like it's not a, it's not a movie. It's not a series of movies that transcends generations. I don't think I think the most, so that's where you're, I mean, in some ways those are the best movies to make reboots of or to, to kind of, to restart, I guess, because you're not going to, going to offend any of the fanboys because there's really, there, there may not really be a, a vocal majority of fanboys. I said the same thing about RoboCop. I thought RoboCop was a great movie to reboot. It just didn't turn out to be a very good movie, but uh, but that's you know beside the point. It was the right thing to choose to do. I think Mad Max is the same thing, but I but at the same time, just like Richard said, it's not a movie that I would think that the studio, if they're if they're being honest, they have to be really happy with forty four million dollars on opening weekend, and maybe maybe should have chosen a, a better weekend to open so they did have a better chance to uh, to win the weekend, but. I don't know that this was ever going to be like an 80 or 90 or a hundred million dollar opening weekend type of a hit. Like it's just not that kind of movie. Don't ask me how, but I saw some correspondence between other studio heads uh, <laughs> regarding uh, summer releases. Uh, thank you, Julian Assange. But they were talking about Mad Max and they were talking to each other saying, oh my gosh, have you seen the trailer to Mad Max Fury Road? Holy crap! This is going to be a huge hit. I just don't didn't see that when I saw the yeah. trailer. It, it doesn't it have a mass appeal. It just didn't have at all. no not not at all. And I just don't see how. I mean, I guess the argument could be well, it's a it's an established franchise. You know, people always yeah. would rather go see something they know about than check out something new. 
which was, I guess, the main uh, problem with Edge of Tomorrow last summer. Sure. Was that, I mean, had that been, I don't know, Starship Troopers 4 or something, maybe <laughs> it would have had more of a draw because people know that. No one knew what Edge of Tomorrow was. And even though it was a good movie, critically acclaimed, and, you know, every movie blogger on Earth was telling people to go see it, it didn't do well because no one knew what it was. Nobody cared uh, right. about it. And I sort of got the vibe here. I, I'll be the first to admit, and I think we've talked about it on the show before, that the trailers for Fury Road were, were, were awful. Uh, I, I, I was not in on this yeah. when I saw the first advertising, the, the marketing and everything. I didn't think that was very good. No one knew what it was about. All you, all that they're throwing at you is Mad Max at the very end. You know, they show some some crazy driving in a desert, a lot of fire and guns, and then boom, Mad Max flashes across the screen. People were like, you know, unless you grew up in the '70s or you know early '80s, no one knows what that is or cares because, and you know, those aren't on Netflix. They haven't they haven't done a good job of keeping those around over the years. Sure. Like like you would say for Alien or Terminator or, or one of those franchises. So you just don't you just don't have the built-in audience that you would expect for a for a reboot. But I think that's good just because of the fact that they can reset and they can do more you know they can start here. You know, they don't have to get Mel Gibson back on board like you would say if you're rebooting Indiana Jones, sure. a lot of people were going to be offended if Harrison Ford isn't at least involved somehow, you know, if he doesn't pass down the reins or whatever, you know, I I don't think Mel Gibson even needed to be a thought here, and I'm glad they didn't have him in this, to be honest. I can't imagine what this would have been like. Actually, I kind of would have liked a cameo from Mel. Sure, yeah. That would have been kind of cool. Yeah. You know, if he, if he was yeah. one of the captors or something. and Just drunk driving. Right. <laughs> Somewhere about cliffside, yeah. Or he's riding a stallion with a uh, <laughs> a musket. <laughs> <laughs> that would fit with the aesthetic a little bit. If you put some armor on the stallion. He hands Tom Hardy a bat and says, swing away, Tom. Swing away. <laughs> a lot of insight. A lot of jo- Go back through yeah. Mel Gibson's filmography for to catch yeah. those jokes, guys. Give me like a half beaver, half man. Exactly. But, <laughs> Post-apocalyptic beaver. Do you all have any other thoughts on why, why it lost out to Pitch Perfect? I got to admit, Pitch Perfect, I didn't see it until it was on DVD, and I really enjoyed it. And yeah, I think this is a movie that did huge. I, I want to I want to look at the official stats, but I, I have a feeling this has done very well in the secondary market. Uh, Pitch Perfect, that is. Sure. And, yeah. And it, it appeals to more people, honestly. And you know what? If people are wondering why it lost, all you have to do is say, "Honey, let's go to a movie. What do you want to see? Oh, let's see what's out. Right. Okay. Mad Max Fury Road. Okay, that sounds. No, uh, husband will probably. Want, oh, Pitch Perfect too. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, we have to go. You know, that's that's ninety percent of the conversations that happen between uh, the ladies and uh, their dates this weekend. So that explains a lot. It, it appeals to more people. Thirteen year olds can go see it with their high school friends or or whatever. And, and so here we are uh, with an yet with yet another Edge of Tomorrow, Scott Pilgrim, uh, Oblivion, Pacific Rim. That uh, just didn't out, just didn't perform up to, I guess, critical expectations or acclaim. Any other thoughts on that? Before uh, we, yeah, real quick. Yeah, um, you know, surprisingly, pitch per. I, I think just a f- a poor weekend choice, just bad scheduling by the studio. I wasn't surprised at all that Pitch Perfect made up this much money because I no, mean, not at all, not at all. Everybody I know has been 
you know, especially girls, but even a lot of guys like I love Pitch Perfect has been like counting down the days. Um, you know, and we got more int- interest on doing a Pitch Perfect episode than we did for, you know, a Mad Max episode. We just already had this one scheduled. That's a huge franchise now, and and they could make a ton more of them probably. Did you know now, uh, I saw a stat earlier today, Elizabeth Banks is now the highest grossing first-time director of all time. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Because yeah. we all, we love Elizabeth Banks. I sure. Think. Yeah, so that's that's strong. That's a great open for, for them, and I think you're right. It's just, sometimes this happens. It doesn't happen a whole bunch, but this is, I mean, Pitch Perfect is kind of, is, is much more of an established uh, property than Mad Max is yes. at this point, and and especially in the middle of the Mer- middle America. Yeah, absolutely. And so you you've got, uh, yeah, the, it's kind of it's weird to to judge Mad Max negatively for opening to forty four million dollars because that's probably as pretty close to what Tomorrowland's going to get this weekend, maybe even a little bit more. I think and, I think Tomorrowland will will be a higher. I think I've seen projections closer to like fifty. Really? So I mean. I think Look, the PG will help they it a lot. Wrong, I think so, PG yeah. will really help, but could be, yeah. could be. Yeah, no, I agree, and I think the marketing for Pitch Perfect was great. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, the, what we're back pitches whole thing. I think that was very clever, and the them on the talk show circuits. You know, having I saw I was watching James Corden Late Late Show with James Corden last week, and he had Anna Kendrick, Haley Steinfeld, and uh, Brittany Snow. Uh, Brittany, yeah, he had all three of them on there. And so, you know, they've sort of been doing the talk show circuit together and they've been very active in that. And so getting their name out there was not hard. I think the Mad Max audience this past weekend was 25% hardcore Mad Max fans. What's few of them, what few of them are out there and 75% people that are very active on social media that follow movie blogs and that are interested in pop culture and that, that saw the, the hype and they saw the acclaim and they wanted to check this out because I, you know, I don't think the initial, the initial draw was there and I'll be interested to see, like I said, how it does second weekend, because sure. I think it'll, the word will spread over the past weekend. People will go to work Monday morning and be like, Oh my gosh, my mind was melted by by mad max it was way better than i thought and and all those conversations will be had at the water cooler and you know pitch perfect i guess we'll have yeah it was good you know Uh, i don't know if it it blows away the original i haven't seen it yet but we'll see uh, how Tomorrowland fares against those and the the avengers are still doing quite well too yeah and avengers got almost 40 million this weekend i mean and and it's whatever fourth week of right and and i think some of the fatigue has set in for avengers and maybe people, you know, who saw Avengers last week, the week before, just didn't want to sit through another high octane action film the week after. Yeah. If you're the type of person that goes to the movies every week, maybe they wanted a more comedic, uh, lighthearted vibe, and so Pitch Perfect might have fit that uh, that as well. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you: Do you own a small business, or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. 
Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. So let's move on and let's let's get into the official Mad Max conversation. Uh, Brian, I believe you saw this one late last night. Late, late, late. Yeah, way late for what? For what's me. the reasoning for that? for that? It's just what could fit in my schedule. My my uh, kiddo has been sick, and so I had to yeah. kind of schedule everything around him. So I, I was hoping out. to go to about an eight o'clock showing, but he uh, he wouldn't allow for that. So kids, man, don't have any. They're terrible. That's oh. that's my. Don't worry. Major. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> not possible. Uh, no. So yeah, I had to see it at about eleven fifteen last night. It, I will say that that time uh, did not prevent somebody from bringing a two year old to the theater. <laughs> so that was pleasant. Uh, yeah. Nothing. Nothing says family fun entertainment like a hard R movie that ends at one forty five in the morning. So you know, thanks to thanks to that family. I guess we can start the conversation there, Brian, and God. and at the hard R comment, because at the end of this movie, I feel like it could have, if it wanted to, gotten away with a PG-13, yeah, uh, if not for one quite yeah. gory scene <laughs> involving a, sure. uh, a baby, and we'll go into spoilers later. We'll try to keep it non-spoilery right now for our initial initial thoughts on this, but I saw it yesterday afternoon, like I said, to a packed house. And, you know, I got to admit, it was one of the more silent screenings I've been to. There are several moments throughout the film where it just fades to black. and You, you aren't sure if it's over. You don't <laughs> know what's coming next. You know, you don't know if people just died. And so, you know, it would fade to black and it was just complete silence. Like at the very end of, of the first action set piece, it fades to black and everyone was just kind of stunned at what they had just seen on screen. And it was just a really cool experience to screen this. Richard, where did you see it? How was your screening experience for this? I saw it over here, theater by me, kind of late-ish Friday or early. No, I saw it pretty early Friday night, um, Friday evening before I went over to a concert. So, But it was about 65 to 70% full and cool. pretty date night-ish. Really? Huh. Yeah, but that's probably just more the clientele of the theater more than anything. And pretty uh, pretty silent as well. Yeah, it was it was quite the experience. I really enjoyed myself watching this. I didn't see the 3D version, and, and oh, I, I understand George Miller was out there publicly saying, if I were you, I'd see the 3D. And I think 90% of that is just him trying to make more money because <laughs> yeah. he makes more on the 3D screenings. Yeah. I think uh, my eyes would have fallen out of my head if right. I watched this in 3D. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it... Uh, it was it was way too fast paced and the cuts were way too they were way too common for me to enjoy or for my eyes to be able to even settle on the two D version. So I can't imagine the three D version. But if you're a listener and you saw the three D version, please email us and let us know how it was. Let us know if it's worth seeing because I'd be down to go maybe again in IMAX three D and and just see uh, the difference there. So let's go initial thoughts first. Brian, you saw it most recently. Uh, initial thoughts. Uh, it took me. 20 minutes to maybe 30 minutes to adjust to what I was watching because it's uh, this is very unlike pretty much any other movie that I, I've seen on a you know any any time recently I guess uh, 
I watched the first two Mad Max movies this weekend before I went into the the new one. I didn't get a time for for Thunderdome to my detriment, but um, it's amazing that this is a main that this is a studio release. Like that, this got 150 million dollars to work with because it doesn't yeah. look like anything that a studio typically puts out. And that's a, I think that's a good thing, and it also can be a bad thing as well. The action set pieces are fantastic. I loved uh, all of the, however many huge action sequences there are. I thought all of them were were really well done, and uh, the design on the action sequences was great, and uh, it was very thrilling and exciting, and all that stuff. Uh, I thought all the actors were really good. I enjoyed – I was not uh, – well, I was prepared given all the buzz that – I've never seen anything like the Twitter buzz that this thing got. I thought Ex Machina had a lot of, of Twitter buzz, but that was – it pales in comparison to Mad Max. It felt like for the last week, it felt like every tweet I saw was talking about how great Mad Max was. So so that that had kind of prepared me for – the abundance of uh, female roles and and strong female roles, not the typical sort of stuff you get in an action movie, in a Hollywood action movie. So uh, I was prepared for that. I thought that was fantastic. Charlize Theron was great. All the women did a great job. Tom Hardy did a really good job in a surprisingly supporting role. I can't remember a time seeing a movie where the the main star, quote unquote, is so has such a small role in the movie in a lot of ways. Like he is playing fourth or fifth wheel at times. Uh, but I thought all of them did a really great job. For, so for the most part, it's a really, really entertaining movie and very good. I hate the aesthetic. I hate the look of the film and that I don't know how to describe it beyond just kind of like so, like S&M steampunk meets the family from Texas Chainsaw Massacre at a freak show type thing. Like it's, I hate the way it looks. That's not, uh, it's aggressively unappealing to me on many levels. But, um, so that was, that was very distracting for me. And I understand that that's kind of the Mad Max way of doing things, at least in the, the last two films. So it's just following suit and, you know, I'm sure it's really well done on that, that front, but it was, uh, it took me a very long time to get adjusted to that. And then occasionally when we would leave in the film, when it would leave from the, the war engine from Charlie Theron and, and Tom Hardy and all of that crew and take you back into the camp with the freaks and weirdos. It was, it was jarring for me and kind of took me out of the film a few times. So not, a, not a style of film that, uh, that I personally care for. And, uh, and very kind of ugly to me in a lot of ways, but but the, uh, the there's enough really strong action sequences to keep me to, to, to have kept me satisfied, I guess. Richard, I'll let you give initial thoughts before yeah. I chime in here. Sure, I wish I wish I had gotten to go first because uh, Brian and I are, are we differ on a lot of things, but one of the things we have in common on is is this kind of aesthetic. I'm not a big uh, kind of post apocalyptic guy at all really ever and so you know this kind of world just i just don't it's kind of like the woods to me <laughs> um it's like 50 shades of woods um <laughs> with these outfits and stuff 
it's th- this movie and all Mad Max movies. I felt this way before this one are the ultimate in for me. Uh, I'm sure this is great, but this is not for me at all. Sure. So I feel bad even like being on this episode because like I cannot. I really did not enjoy my two hours in the theater whatsoever. But I can't say that it's a bad movie, so it's hard sure. for me to review this because like that was one of the most miserable movie watching experience <laughs> I've had this year. But you know, if you told me you loved it, I wouldn't judge you. Or you know, it's it's meticulously well made. It's well acted. It's it's well written in parts. It's it's. It stays true to a, you know, both artistic and sociological narrative that I think is interesting and all that. And meanwhile, I was just staring, counting up my clock, just grimacing the entire time. So it's weird. It's a weird thing for me to talk about. But uh, yeah, like if I had to, yeah, I would probably, I'd probably rather watch Draft Day again. But this is seven. <laughs> Good letters. God! I can't believe you went on the record with that call. I would just rather. Now. I would rather watch Draft Day than than this, but this <laughs> is probably crap. seven levels above that. That's the only way I can explain it. Yeah, I I understand what you're saying. I think I'm I'm higher on it than you are, but I I do have that that same sense. Like I don't I don't like trashing a movie that is different and unique and original, yeah. and and I'm not going to at all. Like I, there's no reason to trash it, but but I will say I'm I'm with you, Richard. Like I am not the audience for yeah. for this movie, and uh, and there were times when it's just there's times when I don't like something, and it's like eh, whatever, and then there's times where like I I really don't like this. Yeah. Like I aggressively <laughs> dislike what is happening on the screen Except right for now. The baby and, scene, I found that yeah. <laughs> that um, was definitely for me. Yeah, yeah. Anyone that knows me will tell you that. <laughs> Ken, what'd you think, boss? Well, I gotta admit, I'm a little, I'm a little floored by some of the comments that have been made. Um, I figured you would be higher on this than we. Oh, I'm, I'm exponentially higher on it. This than. is, this is like closer to something like neither Richard or I really like Dread, and that's that's. Oh a man, I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned Dread. And, um, uh, yeah. That. This is just a total theory, but I, I think it's because you you tend to, to tilt towards horror movies, and Richard and I both hate horror movies, and this kind of has – it's not horror, but it's that kind of uh, shock value almost, I guess, that, that takes place throughout the film. And I, I think that lends itself to somebody who enjoys horror movies. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and I will say one thing, and this needs to be gotten out of the way now – this movie would not exist if not for the Fast and Furious franchise. So we do have totally, them to think, yeah. This movie would never have gotten 150 million dollar budget, greenlit, all that without uh, the success of Dom and the Gang. So thank right. you, Dom and the Gang, for bringing something like this to us. No, this is I think. Thanks a lot. It's uh, <laughs> I'll say it's the best George Miller film since Babe Pig in the City. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely, definitely the best since that. Not quite as dark. No, um, violent. <laughs> not quite as viscerally, viscerally oh. uh, stimulating as Babe Pig in the City. Yeah. The because... post-credit breakfast scene in Babe Two: Pig in the City is pretty <laughs> disturbing. Right. <laughs> What's fun about this to me is is George Miller just coming back and just owning it. Uh, yeah. I, I really, really didn't see that coming. It makes me wonder, like, what the heck he's been doing with his life all this time. You know, I I've heard that. This is a 17-year process for him to to get this movie out there. You know, maybe this is something he's been working on since Beyond the Thunderdome, and he just never 
you know, never got the budget or never got the approval or the the, the right people involved uh, to make this happen. But like we mentioned earlier, this movie was this movie was shot in 2012. And, oh, really? And, I didn't know that. Yeah, and reshoots reshoots were I think in the first couple months of 2013. So when we talked about the picking the wrong weekend, I mean, they literally had every weekend to choose from. <laughs> And uh, definitely picked the. <laughs> they could have gone last weekend, week yeah. after Avengers. You know, there was there was yeah. one movie that came out in the first four months of the year, guys. Like you could have definitely yeah. slotted this anytime. Oh, this this should have been a March end of March. Yeah. Oh yeah. There was nothing in April this year. Yeah, I totally almost agree. nothing. After Fast and the, between Fast and the Furious and uh, and Avengers, there was not a single movie that any of us wanted to see. No, absolutely. And speak for yourself. <laughs> Man, I w- I got to admit, I was I was subject to the hype. Uh the hype got to me at first, and there was a point where, you know, people online were saying this is going to change everything. This is yeah. the best action movie of all time. Yeah. Uh, comments by, you know, peers of ours uh slash mom. And, you know, they say that that no- filmmaking will never be the same after this. Yeah. Yeah. And this is just the the best movie maybe of all time. I mean, they 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 had it on Citizen Kane level. Uh, they they saw a preview screening and they automatically put that out there that this was this was it. And and I don't I love this movie. I'll say that this is gonna I'm gonna give it a recommend uh, when it's sure. all said and done at the end of this review. But this is not this does not change the face of cinema forever. Oh. This is an exceptionally well executed action film. Sure and. I just don't see how how other franchises can take. I mean, maybe they're going to set the next uh, Avengers in the desert and put them on cars. Like, I don't see what what much can be taken from this, other than you know, uh, more practical effects, more practical stunts than than CGI stunts. I mean, that's really all that I can see is that wow, practical stunts can actually work. Yeah. And you know, like I said, I, I, we have Dom in the gang to thank for that because that would have never, never come around. But I don't, I don't think this actively changes the face of action filmmaking as we know it. It's just a, a very well envisioned and well executed action film. And I, you know, I, that's all I can say is that it's extremely well thought out and and it's you know mission accomplished by Mr. Miller. He he made the film that I'm sure he had envisioned in his brain. Uh, but what do you think about the comments that were made that this this movie will change everything? The, okay, guys, this is not Jurassic Park. Like, yeah, you can't watch this and say, "Man, movies will never be the same after this." I, yeah. I, I just think you know, directors and and studios will watch this and be like, "Man, that was a fun ride." But it's not much more than that. Well, it, it doesn't transcend humanity, sure. or <laughs> it doesn't change the way movies will be made for. I, yeah. I wanted opinion. to transcend humanity while watching it. I wish I could. <laughs> What yeah, are your it's, thoughts on it's that? certainly not going to change the face of filmmaking, given that it didn't even win its weekend. You know, sure. I mean, that's if this opens to ninety million dollars and next weekend grosses another sixty, and is just taking over not just the world, but is actively taking over American uh, film or excuse me, American theaters. Then that that makes maybe pushes some of that envelope and makes things maybe that changes things. But as it is. Uh, you know, look, it's it's a success. It's a successful movie, but it's uh, and it's really well made. I'm with you, Kent. Everything about it is really well done. Um, even and I, again, I say that while saying this is not a movie that is really up my alley or anything. But 
I think the Twitter buzz kind of hurt it in some ways because the hype was just so stinking high by the time I actually saw it that it's like there was almost no way that it couldn't be a letdown in in some ways. And and that's with me trying to do my best to temper expectations and say I don't really think this looks that great, so I'm going to hold out hope. You know, I'm going to I'm going to hold out hope that these people are right, but I'm not going to uh, you know, bet my life on it or anything like that. But there was yeah, you're totally right. There's just so, there was so much buzz that was literally this is the best action movie of all time. This is a movie that is going to change I, to change how we make films, and I don't I don't see that at all. And and you know maybe again maybe that's just because I'm not the audience. But I, regardless, I I don't see that happening. Yeah, time will tell. Of course, we can't obviously can't see the future. You know, if, if this ends up having a huge effect, then more power to it. Uh, then you know, I guess it's for the the better action movie wise. I mean, it's a lot of the action scenes were well, uh, well envisioned. Uh, Richard, what do you think about those comments that were made? I think I know what you think, but speak those. <laughs> no, I, I saw a lot of that too. Cause I remember I had kind of a different experience than you can with the promotion of the film for some reason. When I saw the first trailer, for some reason I was like, that looks really cool. I was kind of, I kind of bought into the hype of the first trailer. Like, wow, that's an intense, at the very least, going to be kind of a bad A trailer, you know, and maybe the movie will be mediocre, but that they really, you know, in other words, it may be a Zack Snyder type uh, phenomenon, <laughs> but but that trailer was pretty cool. It was like two minutes when the first one is like extended of just basically just cars just roaring and, and it just looked like uh, really neat. And then uh, as as and that was a year ago. And then as the marketing campaign really kicked off in earnest, probably around this February or March, I found myself just really worn out by the trailers and, and not enjoying them at all. Not just because they were coming at me at all angles, which, you know, being an NBA fan uh, like I am, we, we were, we were really beaten down with those, but yeah. not just because of that, but just because the actual content in them was, was just kind of nonsensical and boorish and, and weird. And then, uh, so I was shocked actually, I remember we said we were doing this this uh, episode last week, kind of dreading seeing it because I just knew – I knew it was never going to be for me, but I was also expecting it to not be for me and be bad. And yeah. then, Brian, I think you told me you were like, man, this is – it's getting incredible reviews. People are saying it's the best. I was like, what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. So I went around and tomatoes myself and there was like already 20 reviews in and it was 98%. And it's, has maintained that now with with I, I think, think it's ninety eight yeah, yeah with like two hundred almost yeah with two hundred reviews which is which is fan and it, it is it's a movie that it, it's really hard to not like um, you know it's an aggregate so it doesn't you know everyone knows Rotten Tomatoes it's not like everybody gave it a ninety eight it's just ninety eight percent of people liked it in some capacity so it's not the best action movie of all time in my in my opinion I, I or or unless I now hate action movies and. <laughs> I it did it it did do some cool stuff for for women's rights sure women in film at least or women in art at least which I think is very commendable and awesome but other than that <laughs> it's yeah. not really anything that'll stick with me if it does then I'm I'm going to be very upset no yeah I think more the the ninety eight percent recommend is that that was as good as it could have been. So it gets a recommend, you know, uh, I think this movie suffers from Avengers syndrome and the fact that everyone was just so freaking happy that it wasn't a complete disaster 
that they are going to automatically say this is one of the best films of all time. I mean, that's that's exactly what happened with Avengers the first time. Oh, we're going to get all of these characters that we know and love together. Well, this can't be good. Oh, wow. It, it actually had a storyline and made me laugh and had, you know, decently sure. executed action scenes. This is the best superhero movie of all right. time. Right. Uh, probably not. But, you know, you're just so happy at the in the moment that you go on immediately on Twitter after you see it and you're just you're just blowing up and and you can't say enough good things about it for the next couple of days. I think this yeah. one needs a little time for people to settle down, watch it again, you know, put this in the context of the the entire history of cinema, okay? And this is what we're comparing it to, yeah, guys. Yeah. Um let's let's settle down with some of these comments. And I uh, I I want to talk more about what this movie means and and all that, but you know, first first impressions and it was was I was impressed. Uh, I wasn't I didn't leave, like I said, thinking this changed the game forever, but I was extremely entertained by what I saw, you know, and that's all I can really ask for in a movie like this. So I think we should go into spoilers right now, actually, guys, uh, before yeah, we talk about plot lines. Let's let's hit spoilers now. So spoilers coming up right now for for Mad Max Fury Road. Brian, you touched on it a little bit with the fact that Max is a secondary character here and I think he's mad about it. (laughs) He's pissed. (laughs) And I think that George Miller might, might be the kind of guy that anytime he has something to say about society, he's going to use Mad Max as the window to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. I, I really have opinions on, you know, draining natural resources and women's rights. So, I'll make another Mad Max and just make Max like the, <laughs> you know, the third most important character that we see on screen and, and use that as in, you know, use the context of Mad Max to, to uh, express my feelings. So that was surprising to me. Uh, I don't, yeah, like you said, I don't think that's ever been done. Uh, you know, imagine if Iron Man was about Pepper Potts for 90% of the movie. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. almost the level that we're on here and it's pretty, uh, it was, it surprised me a lot actually. Yeah, it was very surprising. I don't have a problem with it at all, but it was it was not what I expected. That's for sure. This movie with flying colors passes the Bechdel test. And uh, for those of you who don't know the, the Bechdel test or are not familiar with it, uh, it's, it's a film theory or a way of watching films. And the Bechdel test goes, are there two female characters in the film? Do those female characters have names? <laughs> <laughs> And do those female characters talk to each other about something other than the man? Sure. The main character. And believe it or not, you know, you say, well, of course, a lot of movies fall into that category. But, you know, go back and think. And a lot of movies don't. Uh, It's actually very sad. uh, A sad thing. If you start applying the Bechdel test to a lot of your favorite movies, you'll be quite disappointed with the results most of the time. And so, you know, a lot of not a lot, but some filmmakers have been really annoyed with that the lack of representation in women in in film and everything and there's a pretty decent documentary out there called misrepresentation with miss and it talks about you know well i guess the female image in hollywood and and in films and stuff and it's a it's a pretty decent documentary i suggest checking out if you're more into researching more about feminine culture and everything like that in hollywood i would suggest that but you know I guess you, the direct comparison you can make to this is Sucker Punch. Uh, as far as female empowerment, uh, you know, Sucker Punch, the Zack Snyder film, got a lot of hate at first. 
because I don't think people understood what was going on and what was being said. And it just, he just made it way too overwhelming and complicated. And it's terrible. For most. Too. <laughs> I, there's that. It's actually might be my favorite Zack Snyder film. I'm not, Ugh. not even kidding. Well, because tall, world's tallest dwarf. So be, be, yeah, well, because there's so much, there's so much conversation, so much conversation around, uh, around sucker punch for what it, what it represents, you know, females literally going into every genre of film and destroying everything. Uh, it, it, I think it exists more for an allegory than it does a, a story or a movie. So um, that's another conversation for another day for sure. But uh, this is the first thing I've seen, you know, I guess on a big budget that has attempted that. And, you know, obviously they succeeded way more than sucker punch did at the time, but good to see Charlie Theron. Uh, do something, an action movie that we could actually enjoy. I, I love Charlize Theron, but she, you know, hasn't done. I guess what was the last thing she did? Prometheus. Mm-hmm. Pretty big yeah. role in Prometheus, yeah. Gosh, but um, you know, I guess underutilized in that. It was Snow White and the Huntsman. She did. Uh, we can't forget her performance in 2014's A Million Ways to Die in the West. <laughs> I mean, that that there transcends generations, right there. But I love I love Charlie Theron and, and it's cool to see her I guess take control of a high big budget uh, action film because she's an extremely versatile actor yeah, which we've great. seen and so I always love her but perhaps props to George Miller for making Rosie Huntington Whiteley like bearable <laughs> on screen because she's just a terrible actress like awful and you know so I guess uh, this is only her second movie I guess I shouldn't. <laughs> put her on that but first one was transformers 3 and she was just i guess michael bay doesn't help that yeah help well, that that's case a masterpiece so. yeah it's uh the masterpiece of the the last three transformers films i guess <laughs> <laughs> if you want to put it that way there's a lot to be said here uh, and a lot to i guess a lot to take away from the message of the film and uh the, what they're saying you know women as property reproduction rights and everything you know we see women literally freeing themselves from chastity belts at the beginning of the film when we're first introduced to the uh the brides who are the uh the brides of the main villain here joe immorton joe immorton yeah i could never catch what they were saying besides joe obviously so immorton joe has taken these women captive he's made property out of these women he's uh he wants these women to bear his future children Obviously, Morton Joe wants sons. Yeah, he he treats women like property. You know, even as far as you know, using women to create food and like basically women are cows in this society. We get a really good allegory of women, you know, escaping the clutches of the of the male reign and and all that. And so, what did you think about the allegory there with with women empowerment, uh, Brian? I guess first. I thought it was really well done, and and uh, I give George Miller a lot of credit for for doing that without being preachy. I get, I don't want to say pre- preachy is not really the right word, but for making it fit in the the flow of the film rather than it coming across as like I have an agenda and I have to make it I have to make it clear. You know, I don't. Yeah. I just don't feel like I'm I'm I agree with your agenda. I just don't feel like that's the 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 way to to uh 
to get anything out of what you're trying to say. And I think they did a really good job of that. It, you know, it's not necess- it's not really subtle. It's fairly on the nose. You mentioned the chastity belt and a couple other things like, like that. And but that's fine. Like Madman is not subtle, and Madman is like one of the two or three greatest TV shows of all time. And and so I don't have to. I don't require subtlety. I just don't. I don't need you to. Uh, I don't need you to spell it out and hammer it down my throat or, or in my face, whatever your agenda is or whatever you're trying to get across. Um, so anyway, I thought he did a really, really good job of making this, making that aspect of the film an actual part of the film and not just here's a talking point I want to make sure you, you walk away with, you know? Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I really appreciated the fact that we don't get tons of exposition in this movie. We are introduced almost with, none. <laughs> well, yeah, we're introduced with a narration by Max, and that's it at the beginning. And and they don't rely on the narration to get us from point A to point B. And it's really up to the audience to figure out uh, what what's being said, what's represented here, the the history of what these women have gone through. We're not introduced. I you know, I, I'm, and I'm glad we don't see any of what the women went through at under the clutches of a Morton Joe, you know, they, they opened the, I guess they, it's a literal safe in the movie, but they opened the quarters in which these women were kept before they escaped and, and joined up with Max, you know, that these women were literally imprisoned by this man, but you know, we don't get detailed, a detailed uh, view of that. So I actually did really appreciate that they, you can let the audience you know, make their own determination on, on what went on prior to them escaping. Richard, what'd you think about the message? Yeah. A couple things. Did you guys realize that Immortan Joe was the same actor that played toe cutter? Yeah. I, I saw that I like a that. week ago. Yeah. I just missed. I somehow, I didn't know that until just now we were looking that up. That's uh pretty awesome. That's um, and everyone that's listening to this is rolling their eyes. Like, yeah, Richard, we know it's been <laughs> out for six months. Yeah, like I said, the only thing I like about that is I liked some of the themes of this. Uh, not to sound, uh, you know, too kind of blowhardy on the, you know, it's not like I need movies to make my political statements for me. But everything intent-wise about this is great. Everything execution-wise about this movie also great. It's weird. I just, I just didn't enjoy it. <laughs> at all but uh yeah I, I liked that a lot i didn't find it to be too much on the nose or too overt the world is so over the top that you can go pretty crazy sure. and it's still things will contextually work out so uh that 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 was fine a really interesting part and probably a very uh satisfying part for theron to play i can i was wondering why she did this and now i can totally see why yeah that's fair yeah I, i've seen the comments around that said, you know, this is the role of a lifetime for Theron. I didn't feel it was that, you know, there wasn't much to this character other than just a big badass, you know? And so it wasn't, there wasn't much depth to what what she was bringing to us other than, you know, empowerment and, and, uh, you know, fighting through adversity and all that. It comes down to the fact, even so far as Max, we see Max escape the clutches of, of the Citadel towards the beginning of the film but Max really is strapped to the front of a car. You know, he's obviously caught again. You know, there's only so far you can go against a horde of uh, of villains, I guess. And, you know, he, he didn't have anything. He had no power without, uh, without Charlize and without uh, Furiosa, I should say. Sure. And so 
I guess it was really cool to see that, you know, you don't see the, the hero in most action films rendered powerless, if not for, you know, five women coming along and and making him, uh, make the mission, I guess, possible again. So that was, that was, uh, surprising to me. And it goes as far as it goes as far as Max trying to snipe one of the hordes that's in the distance in the searchlight that's, that's searching for them in the distance and missing and then Furiosa taking the sniper rifle, putting it on Max's shoulder and then getting him in one shot. You know, yeah. that's a, I guess a more literal representation of you're nothing without me, sure. but I'm nothing without you. As that well. was a great scene. You know, that was, that, that was fantastic. Was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we only have a few more minutes here, so I want to just go real fast through some of this stuff. This movie actually, what it reminded me of, and it's a, it's a cross between Waterworld and fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Does that make sense at all? Like the the visceral drug aspect yeah. of of fear and loathing, you know, the fast-paced yeah. nature of it. It reminded me of so many things in Waterworld, you know, in a more literal sense because I I had that that was my first thought when I saw the trailers like, wow, okay, they're making Waterworld and putting it in the desert. That's that's yeah. all that this is going to be. And I didn't I had no idea about the plot line with with uh, the lack of water and everything, which is, you know, also, you know, hits home right now because of what's going on in California. So there's a little allegory there for, for the lack of water there. The editing style I actually really enjoyed. I don't, I don't know if it was, it was just me or if that was one of the main things that you guys didn't like about it, but I just found the, the aesthetic, the production design, the whole, everything but the story I, I viscerally enjoyed on such a, such a big level and it's just because it was so deep and so in depth and one of actually my favorite things in the movie which which is stupid was the car that was driven by the guy playing guitar you know oh god like, that's my least favorite I've, thing I've, in the I don't know movie. why I like <laughs> I don't know why I know and I totally understand why you would hate it but I just I don't know why I like that so much and oh. it just it was just embodied so much of this world to me I, I 100% uh, agree with you. That that also embodied how I felt about the movie, but in the exact opposite way. Like, anytime that guitar came on, I was like, I might kill myself, guys. I don't know if I can do this. this I mean, is, he almost, I feel like he put it in there as a joke. Yeah. And, but it, it, it I don't know why it worked for me on, on such a, <laughs> I mean, it was just found it so, like, who thinks of that? That's why I, that's why I, I liked it. It's like, I, I don't know where where he came up with half this. I mean, it was so viscerally detailed that I almost had a hard time focusing on the uh, on the story because ev- there was so much depth to to the costuming and the whole world that he had created here that uh, I just found myself looking at every little detail of every costume, you know, and every little aspect of what he had he's brought us here really just kind of melted my brain. I and and. It just, I just found it so creative, like just from a pure art, like filmmaking standpoint. And I understand that people can find it stupid, you know, find whatever you want stupid. But for me, it was just so, so out there, you know, and, and I just appreciated that like so much. I had never seen, I mean, we've seen steampunk before, but this was, it felt like it was from the past and also from the future at the same time. It was just such a cool vision by, by Miller here. I mean, the concept art must have been nuts. I want to see sure. some of that, but I mean, it just 
this movie could be made by, you know, get some doom buggies and throw them out in the desert. But it just <laughs> felt so much more than that to me. Sure. And uh, I don't know. It just. No, I, I think you know what I'm saying? the deal like, is, I think we it all. It was so rich. What he yeah. had here was just so, so rich and and on almost every level for me. I think we're all seeing the same things in this movie. It's just whether or not it's it works for you or not, you know? And and everything you're saying can't is spot on and it's unique and it's unlike pretty much anything else we've we've ever seen at least in a in a studio release and uh, it is definitely an art it's definitely a, a, an art an artist creation which is great that's not always the case in a in a uh, a big budget blockbuster kind of movie like this it's just that it's not art that appeals to me like at all like on any <laughs> any level really so all the things that you liked about it are the things i disliked about it but it, but uh, there are, i can absolutely say uh that that the vision is is really interesting and different and cool. It's just not a vision that works for for me personally. I hate steampunk. Like this, just it does not uh, it does not appeal to me on any level. <laughs> and so this is kind of like steampunk on steroids in a lot of ways. And that so it's just not, it's just not for me. And uh, I think Richard Richard agrees with me. But but I totally get why other people really dig it. It's just not my thing. Oh, it, it, we don't see it much in film. Yeah. I don't feel like it's an easy thing to do and do well. Well, yeah, you know? it, it, it's it's probably very difficult to do well. And I also think that it's it's a it is a smaller target audience when you're going to go that that direction. And I mean, I don't think good. I'm not saying this was a steampunk like that was the I, goal here. I mean, it's just, sure. it just, it just reminded me it had yeah, allusions yeah. to that, that type of art. No, and, I, and I totally agree. I totally agree. And I, I, I struggled with how to uh, describe the look and the aesthetic of the, of the film. And that's, that's probably a good thing in some ways, because it does mean that you're doing something unique and different than what we're, we're used to seeing. Uh, but it's just, I, you know, it's just not, what I don't know. I like I like a cleaner look. I don't I don't I just don't care for this uh this this style, I guess. Yeah, and you know, when we talk about dystopian futures, I mean, you can go back and you can say, well, Blade Runner that's an example. Uh, right. We can say Dread also and you know, I like Dread yeah. a lot. Dread is Dread kind of has changed the face of cinema, and, and I know we're talking. And Rob Schneider's great in it, so that's what's. <laughs> I know we're ta- talking about something, you know, three years after the fact or whatever, and saying it's changed. But I mean, a lot of, a lot more can be taken from Dread as far as where films can go action-wise than than Mad Max Fury Road, in my opinion. You know, it has some well, ex- well, very well executed action scenes. Three big Absolutely. main ones: the, the main one at the beginning, which we see mainly in the trailers. Uh, one involving a big storm, yeah, uh, like a, a sandstorm, and uh, and we also have the the one at the end where where they decide to turn the rig around, and uh, and Nux, who is Nicholas Holt, by the way, I didn't recognize him until probably seventy five percent the way through when we actually start getting to know his character more. I didn't didn't realize it was Nick Holt. But uh, when he sacrifices himself uh, for the betterment of uh, of the gang, uh, and you know that that set piece is is incredible. It's one of the better like closing action scenes for a movie I've seen. That's just not not overwhelming, but it was still well executed. And I, I really liked the the guys on the giant. I guess I don't know what 
what you call them palm trees. That's what I kind of <laughs> reminded me. You know what I mean? They had a name for them, but I can't remember what it was. It was right. uh, something with the pole. Right. Uh, I thought that was really – you could tell that was a practical effect. I thought that was really yeah. kind of creative the way that – I thought the last sequence, which is you know maybe 30 minutes long, I thought that was really good. And I yeah. just – from both a plotting and setting standpoint and, and the, the just action of it all, it's very focused, uh, which I think is part of what drives us crazy, or at least me crazy with a lot of third acts in a, or, or final concluding action sequence in an action film lately is that it's just, there's just too much going on and it's all over the place and you don't, uh, which it's funny to say that this one seems more focused, but it, that's, that's what I got out of it. It, it, it was, it's all on this, you know, you're on the road and it's, it's all it's kind of self-contained, I guess. And, uh, I thought that that worked really well. When I talked about the guitar and <laughs> I wrote this on my notes, it actually is funny cause it reminded me of something we've talked about on the show before power man, 5,000. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's I'm a pretty sure of... they've done that before, but, uh, God, yeah, that was, that was brutal. God, <laughs> that guitar. Uh, I <laughs> was so, first, it was dude. so cool, man. It was just uh, like, it was awful. It was just it's... like, we were taking it to this level where there's a guy literally playing metal metal to uh, drive a car. That's, that's made of amplifiers. Like, yeah, it, it's it just, just, it was just so fun to me. I don't know why. Like it, I didn't take it serious. Like, like they, they actually, had it as a weapon or like they needed it to, to accomplish their mission. It was just like, it was so, I I can't even put it into words. I I just viscerally like smiled when I saw, I was like, okay, we're going this far with this. Okay. I I'm on board. I guess I can, I guess I, I I guess I can handle this. Uh, That was a bridge too far for me. Every time they showed the guitar, it was, it was, it was a fight to not check out. It was just like, this is too, (laughs) can't do this. Uh, Uh, I'm going to give this a grade. Yeah. Unless y'all have any other words on this film. No, but I'm interested to, I, I'm interested to hear, hear grades. I want to go last this time. I always have to go first. Okay, I'll give this a an A. Okay. It doesn't get an A+. Plus. There are, you know, like I said, there, it's not anything that blew me away. This isn't a an Oscar-type film. I mean, there's already a campaign going for Best Picture for this, which I feel is ridiculous. God. But this is, you know, exceptionally well executed, well envisioned. Just such a creative, it's such such a piece of creative art. It's more modern art to me than anything. Than <laughs> sure. A, than an action movie or a sci-fi movie or yeah, or that a makes horror sense. Movie. Also, I like, hate art, so that's you know that's probably why I don't. <laughs> oh, well. it's it's funny you you hate art I'm if over, you're I'm, a movie I'm just, critic. I'm over exaggerating, but just yeah, no. I, I totally agree. I, I mean, I could watch this movie muted and still love it because <laughs> it's just such so rich uh, visually for for what it uh, what it could have been or what it, it. I mean, if they didn't care, this could have been just a throwaway, you know, whatever. But uh, Richard, what's your grade? I'm gonna go. Gosh, it's the hard uh, we're three years of doing the show or whatever we're at two and a half years. This is the hardest one. Um, I'm gonna go B plus. Wow. I mean, I don't mean it, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, yeah, no, it's, you know, I, 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 I give that it's a, uh, it's an A and then my enjoyment was a D. So we'll just, (laughs) we'll knock some points off. Okay. I love it. Brian. It's it's good. I will say, (sighs) I'll say a B. Like if I if I was on Rotten. Oh, okay. Tomatoes, then I'm gonna go B minus. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, 
if I was on Rotten Tomatoes and it was a, a, a fresh or rotten thing, I would give it a fresh because it is a well-made movie. Mine, by That's the way, exactly what I meant. It's like yeah. you can't deny that this is no. Like, I can't it's say like this good. is not a good movie. Well I am shocked that it's a ninety-eight percent, just because. Like there are really good movies that are in the eighties. The Road Warriors, Warriors like a hundred percent. Oh my god! Road Warriors a uh-huh. hundred and Mad Max one is ninety-one percent. So put okay. that in context. Well, I don't. I, okay, whatever. Uh, Mad Max is fine. I I rewatched the Road Warrior this weekend and I was like, this is not. I don't. I don't think it's a good movie at all. So anyway, regardless, outside of the first. 10 15 minutes which by the way were not good like that the intro to tom to mad max and and all that stuff was was almost on the level of riddick i mean it was bad it was not good at all so uh that but beyond that it was just not for me but it was but i can totally recognize the the value in most of it and the action set pieces were great uh and i enjoyed the couple times when they kind of let max cut loose were really good i i thought the best scene in the film was when he went down the road and uh and took out the the car with the spotlight and all that stuff and and yeah. they, we didn't see it there's just a huge explosion and he comes back covered in blood i thought that was really funny and and uh a, a sly way of doing that sequence so i'm gonna go with the b with the straight b and and acknowledge that if you think it's an a plus then i'm totally good with that and if you also were like me and were just like this is just not for me then that's that's okay as well so i'll i'll just say b yeah, I mean, my closing thought is this is just a, such a ride. I mean, it's just yeah. buckle your seatbelt, strap in, and and you know hope for the best. You know, I, I totally get that this is an aesthetic a lot of people what can't go for. You know, people can't say, man, that changed the way I'll, I'll view movies forever. But I <laughs> you know everyone I've talked to that's seen it, man, man, that was wild. That was yeah, so it's, wild. It's definitely bananas. There's no and there's not much to compare it to on that front. It is way, way, way over the top. And oh, yeah. uh, that worked for me. That worked about seventy five percent of the time. And the other twenty five was just like, "This is too much. I can't. I can't get there." Okay, well, let's move on and let's hit a recommend. Weekly recommends. Richard, go ahead. I'm going to keep doing it till it's over, guys. It's my second <laughs> week in a row, and it deserves it. The Late Show with David Letterman. We only have three left. It's been great. The, this yeah. past week was fantastic. I don't know if you saw Norm Macdonald's last yes. stand up ever, but it was. Everyone should watch it. If you're not a Late Show fan, you should watch it. It was, it was, uh, it was, I guess, monumental, and uh, it makes you really think about the uh, the role that that Letterman played in, in a lot of people's lives. And uh, he's had some great guests. Bill Clinton was on Barack mm-hmm. Obama. He had Miss o- Oprah Winfrey this past week, which was great. Mm-hmm. I like Oprah a lot. I know y'all don't. I love no, her. Yeah. I, I I brought her to She's the American Treasure. One day. She was. I, I she was one of the first people I nominated, but she didn't make it uh, make it the first time around. Maybe maybe next time. She's shown a lot of sense of humor about herself in the past past couple of years. I, uh, yeah, but American Treasure David Letterman gonna miss him so much. We need to have a longer conversation next week about his departure after the final episode airs and all that. But just this, between this and Mad Men, I I can't. It's a bad week. My girlfriend's going to be out of town. I'm just going to be all alone, sobbing in my apartment. It's all right. Just play uh, play some Howie Day, and uh, you'll feel better. You'll be fine. Pour take myself a bath. a bath. Yeah, take yeah. a bath. Yeah, you'll be fine. Find some candles. Uh, uh, <laughs> Brian, Brian what's your recommend? Uh, I have done one thing this week, fellas, as far as pop culture goes. I have watched Mad Men for the entire week. 
And uh, we, I think Richard and I are going to do a rants and raves on Mad Men uh, at some point this week because the finale Which is tonight. Is the fifth Mad Max sequel, correct? That I haven't seen it? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. It's uh, a little less steampunky, but uh, but it's but more women's rights, I think. So yeah, uh, good. <laughs> if you want to see Roger Sterling and nipple chaps, <laughs> this is the movie for you. It's, it's a dream I had last night. No, uh, we've recommended yeah. Mad Men so many times, so it's kind of a cop out to make that my weekly recommend. But it it really might be the best show on. I think it might be the, the seventh time it's been. Yeah, right. probably. I'm not even kidding. Probably it's not. It, look, that's a, I, I admit this is a cop out. I just I haven't watched anything else. Uh, I haven't and engaged. We're, anything. we're taping this on a Sunday evening. Yeah, and it's bad. It's on the brain in about three hours. So yeah, anytime they so, do it now, it's Can't fantastic. It's it the best show. Yeah, well, you got to get you on. But I think if you're a mad, if no, you're I've a mad seen, man, I've seen a lot of a lot of Mad Men. Just not the whole thing, buddy. Come on, you got to yeah. do it. Uh, it if was, you're a mad it's man, just so, it's just so talky. And I like talkies, but I I can't – it's not a binge show at all uh, for – and I can't sit there and watch eight hours of of Mad Men. It's just very, very talky. But I do like it. I I, I totally recognize its significance and and John Hamm is is fantastic and, you know, everyone – Christina Hendricks, everyone involved is is great. Uh, But I'll get there eventually. I I like the show. It just takes a while. It's a slow burn. Sure, absolutely. Well, Richard and I are going to do an episode at some point this week on uh, on the entire series and the finale and some of our favorite episodes and stuff like that. So look for that if you're a Mad Men watcher. Uh, if you're not, this is the time to uh, to do it. And I always say, uh, if you've tried watching it before and you just haven't been able to get into it, you have to give it through the first season. the The last episode of the first season is, uh, I think, is probably the best episode. If not the best, then it's going to be second or third best. And it's just – it's uber compelling television. I think it – it's what locked me in. I was enjoying it up to that point, and then I watched that that last episode. It's called The Wheel, and I was just like, holy cow, this is this is on another level. So uh, give Mad Men a watch. All of it's on Netflix, and uh, and then after you finish all that up, you can come listen to our – our Kentless episode, the first one that we will have ever done without Kent. Yeah. It'll probably I, be I'm actually I'm going to start poorly, poor quality, and and all that stuff. I'm going to start Mad Men over this week. Nice. I'm going to I'm going to do it from the beginning, and I, I've heard that it's about an 80 hour something uh, thing. If you want to start probably from accurate. the beginning, yeah. something like that. Yeah. But uh, so I might even be done by the end of next week, <laughs> and so then I'll listen to my nice. own podcast uh, and and to hear hear the official word on awesome on the pod i'm excited about that Uh, about hearing a podcast i i've never never heard on my own podcast channel so that's (laughs) that's going to be a new experience but there you know there's 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 several without me on them and yeah and a few without me as well and i haven't listened to any of them (laughs) because i mean at a certain point you know what's the point right without me what's the show (laughs) that's how i feel (laughs) Uh, i don't know we'll see when it's uh yeah, we are when, uh, all the most important part of the show. I think. Yeah, and, I think you know. we can all agree that the, the most important part of the show is Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> Louis Ledier. Thanks, man. Uh, we really appreciate you. I'm going to go with my recommends. It's a documentary that I that I saw this past uh, week. Uh, it, it kind of relates to a documentary that we've recommended in the past called Tim's Vermeer that Richard recommended officially on the show and that I saw which is a great, great documentary. Yeah, Brian, you got to see that. You have to see Tim I do. Vermeer. I need to watch it. And it's about this guy who 
basically wants to learn how to paint like Vermeer, who is this Renaissance artist. And, uh, you know, his paintings were otherworldly. No one really knew his methods because they had such a unique quality to them and no one could, no one could figure it out. And in this sort of scientist guy who, who invented the TriCaster, which is what I use at work. It's actually a kind of a portable switcher that you can use for online streaming and broadcasting. And, and it's, a. Uh, I, he, he's created an industry. So this guy is very rich and, you know, he made, he took it about himself. He had some time off or the money to do it, to figure out how the, that, how Vermeer painted it. And his goal was to paint a Vermeer painting to replicate one of them. And so check out Tim's Vermeer. If you haven't seen it, it's a great documentary by made by Penn and Teller, but I'm going to recommend one in the same vein called art and craft. And it's about this man who was, Basically, making fake paintings, uh, fake paintings of Picasso. Oh yeah, it's all trailer. Fake, the, yeah, the, fake paintings of you know this Matisse and, and some of the most famous paintings in the world, and just donating them to museums, and you know not selling them to mu- them to museums because that's illegal to <laughs> to sell a fake painting. Uh, he would just replicate these, and he was an extremely talented artist. You know, he could take pencil sketches from. Uh, from Da Vinci and, and replicate them and give them to a museum. And, you know, even the curators of these museums couldn't tell the difference and they'd put them on the walls and, and all this stuff. But, you know, he, he's like a, you know, has some, some kind of mental issue he's extremely autistic or something. And he's not quite right in the head, but it's just sort of follows him around and, and discovers it follows the guy that I guess caught him that discovered that these things were fake and started alerting other curators around the world that, Hey, watch out for this guy. He's bringing in bogus stuff. And it follows the guy that actually, um, fakes the paintings and it talks about how he did it and why he did it. And it, and all of that. So it was just a really cool, interesting documentary. Brian, since you hate art, you'll love this movie. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, I've never seen anything quite like it. It's called art and craft. And, you know, it's on, Amazon and and I think iTunes and all that for pretty cheap. You can rent it and watch it. Just a cool little little one off documentary. So check that out. That's my recommend for the week. Nice. Um, you can follow our show on Twitter at mam underscore podcast if you want to reach out to the show and join the official social network of the show. We also are on Facebook. Uh, just search Mad About Movies Podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave a five star review on iTunes. That goes a long way. And if you would like to keep the show going and ensure that Mad About Movies lasts for the foreseeable future, you can make a donation to our uh, fine establishment here at our website. Uh, there's a donate button right in the middle of it at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. But Brian, where can I find you online? You can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 You can find my writing occasionally at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. And uh, we would love to engage you, as Kent said, on any of the social medias. We'd love to. Richard, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on the Twitter at Richard Barden or at richardbarden.com. Kent, where can I find you? At Kent Garrison on Twitter. And I want to hear fans' thoughts on Mad Max Fury Road. Please submit your thoughts. Email in your thoughts about this movie. We love hearing fans' thoughts. And oftentimes, if there's... An interesting question or thought brought up about a film. Well, next week we might bring some of those up on the show and just share some fan thoughts on this film because I'm sure it won't. This won't be the last time Mad Max Fury Road comes up this year. So, with that being said, we'll see you next week at the cinema. Bye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. 
And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I've got you pegged <laughs> But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face They're making me ya-ya Tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again 